Okay, welcome back to Pricking the Bubble. This is everyone's favourite llama, Mike the Llama. And uh, we have, as usual, and I apologise because it is as usual, Dr. Brant Raven. How are you? Hey, how are we all, uh, Mike the Llama? Yes, going all right. Everyone's Good favourite llama? Really? Well, you know. You have data on this? Yes, I polled the room and I'm the only one in it. Uh, and down below... I don't, be, I don't want to be around when you poll the <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, down below, we have, I don't know why I'm saying down below, it's the visual thing here. Uh, Audio, Pete, how are you? I'm very good, Mike. How are you? I am just going swimmingly, which is nothing to do with the Olympics. All right, so thank you. Now I'm going to read something to you. Hang on, uh, we should explain before you. Oh, God, I love the way you start these things. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, here's what Just I'm going to do. Just get it on with it. What is it you're trying to tell me? What? God, get a little bit of energy, will you? I um, have lots of right. energy. So explain to our listeners that even we we do this as a podcast, but we do have a visual on screen okay. so we can all see each other, right? And that well, that's, lends that's itself. Well, that's only new for this season because uh, well, we're Well, don't say that. Now you've no. revealed everything. Look, season one, we sat in the same room. Season two, we were on the phone and we're incompetent. And season three, we decided to lash out and we've Skyped it in with visuals so we can see each of our delightful faces and we know what's going on. Right. And and, and that lends to the conversation, right? Does it? Does it it really? Yeah, I think it probably does. (laughs) Okay, go for it. Thank you for interrupting my introduction. Anyway, so I'm going to read something to you and tell me if this – it will sound very familiar to one person in the room. Okay. It's time to change the world. We need creative problem solvers to address catastrophic climate change, income inequality, pandemics, ecological collapse, misinformation, radicalization, and many more problems facing humanity. We need critical thinkers, rational skeptics, people willing to challenge the status quo. We have a special guest today. It is Dr. Linda McGyver. She's out. She's can I say this most special of special guests we've had? She's the founder of the Australian Data Science Education Institute and the author of the soon to be published book, one that Dr. Raven's already told me off for pronouncing incorrectly Raising Heretics. I'd like to introduce Dr. Linda McIver. Put your hands Whoa. together. Hello there. Thanks for having me. Welcome, Dr. Linda. Yes. Welcome. There is so much to discuss. It's it's oh, it sounds like it's going to be a good topic. But yes. um, I'm 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 in in awe of um, having such a, a, a what's the word a, a someone qualified, with skills. Yes, a, yes, a qualified guest in our uh, in our studios. Yes. He's, he's like Basil Fawlty is when a lord comes into the <laughs> hotel. Nice. nice. I'm, so I'm feeling special. This is good. You, you should be, yes. So, Linda, could you, uh, just for the for the sake of the listeners, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and what prompted you to write this delightful book that I have read almost all of, but not quite? <laughs> you haven't finished it, Michael. Not I'm quite. appalled. I, um, <laughs> I am a reformed computer science academic. I became a high school teacher, figured out how to get kids engaged with STEM, and so I quit. Uh, in order to start the Australian Data Science Education Institute, which is a charity 
dedicated to building the data literacy, data science and STEM skills of kids around Australia using projects where they actually get to make a positive impact on their own communities. So they're learning the skills in the context of real problems and real projects and data, which is messy and complicated and flawed. And they're actually learning how to think critically, evaluate their own work, evaluate the work of others, um, all those important skills. Excellent. Sounds good. Dr. Raven. Wow. Amazing. I, I, what do I say? Where do I go? I got <laughs> this is going to go. be very tedious if you just fawn over me. So please no, tell no, me. No, no, no. It's all right. It's, he's gonna, I, I assure you, I've, I've already no, I don't want to fawn, but I will say out of in, in everything that I say and will say, I often have a very controversial view of things. Um, but my, my foundation is always, always more education, more rational thinking, more money toward education. I absolutely believe it is one of the one of maybe two or three things governments should fund is more education. Right. Yeah, uh, that, it would be, and, and, it would be and, nice and, if they'd learnt that during the pandemic and actually funded universities, but that's another topic. Well, <laughs> we, we know why they don't fund education. We know why governments don't fund education. An yeah, educated well, public is a public that's harder to control. Exactly. Right? They don't right. want people asking difficult questions and coming up 100%. with innovative solutions and wanting 100%. to fix things. Right. Uh, so, but we need I think that. The first, I think the first thing we need to say, or the first place we should start, is to tell us, Linda, how a person would donate to you if they so <laughs> wanted straight, to. Straight off the bat. Nice, nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, beautiful. I did not pay to you, you to ask that no? question. Um, no, you didn't. Give now. No. GiveNow.com.au forward slash A D S E I. That's it. Nice. I, I'll or just go to my website. Page. Yes, I will put that on our page as well. Something that I'm sure Dr. Raven and Audio Pete did not know we had a page. <laughs> no, and again, and <laughs> a page. Um, and again, let's be 100% clear, and I don't give a crap whether anyone believes it or not. Linda did not ask us to do that. No, no that's that, right. that that came com and 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 Mike the Lama Audio Pete had no idea. That came completely from me, it, because if it's a charity and it's about education, I'm already interested. Yes, he's he's very strong on that. That's so I that's, we can guarantee. Now I have some other bits and pieces I've written down here. Things that I. Uh, got excited about what I was reading. I thought, ooh, that's good. But I'm going to read this thing here. I've said, so as you've stated in your book, Linda, you've said there are some glaringly obvious examples recently of the difference between the countries and governments that heed the voices or the advices of experts and those that don't. So obviously climate change and COVID spring to mind. We were having a discussion probably in the previous podcast, we, we tend to drift with some of our topics on our podcasts and we, we end up talking about things that are completely unrelated. But we were kind of um, covering, obviously, the COVID aspect of things, how uh, not everyone is on the same page, you could say. So that the, the example we were looking at was the difference between the approaches here in Melbourne as opposed to what's going on in Sydney. Um, so do you have any thoughts that you'd like to to add to our fist shaking that we've been uh, undertaking? Well, as it happens, I just did a blog post uh, not 10 minutes ago Excellent. Um, on on the difference between the New South Wales lockdown and the and the uh, Mel Victorian lockdown, uh, because I've seen a lot of people. 
in that uh, wonderful, wonderfully literate and rational site, Twitter, um, talking about how New South Wales is already doing a stricter lockdown than Melbourne and they can't do any more. So nice. I thought, well, I, I'm not sure that's true because I know, for example, that childcare is still open in New South Wales. So I went and had a look and I took the two pages and I put them side by side, which is not as easy as it sounds because they're kind of very, the, the pages, the the information is nested very deeply and it's very complicated mm. and complicated. But mm. eventually I pulled out the, the sets of restrictions and put them side by side. Uh, New South Wales has a lot more retail open than Victoria. Yeah. Uh, New South Wales has childcare open, as I said. They have um, they have a 10-kilometre radius, whereas we have a 5-kilometre radius. They have uh, golf, <laughs> tennis clubs, bowls clubs still open. Tennis clubs? Yeah. See, whereas I did not in, know that. Tennis clubs. In Victoria, clubs. these things are all closed. What's the contention? Are we, we're saying so, that... First what are of all, we saying? It's very clear that uh, Victoria has a stricter lockdown at present than that was to be clear. That was comparing with Greater Sydney because New South Wales currently has three different levels of restrictions in Greater Sydney, Western Sydney, and regional New South Wales. Yep. So I compared with Greater Sydney. Uh, the the contention that they can't do any more is clearly false because they could <laughs> be doing what we're doing. Um, the only thing they are doing stricter is they've closed construction down, which we have not. And also that the, the frustration for me is that people say things that are completely false and yeah. and, and they, they don't go and check. And it's it, it was a little bit tedious to go and check, but it actually wasn't very difficult. I did not need the PhD in computer science <laughs> in, order to, in order to find that out. You know, I just had to put them side by side and compare them and, and pull out the information. Sorry, I was just going to quickly say, one of the things that I've noticed is, is that, you know, our government down here is getting information from the chief health officer. Mm -hmm. Their government up there is getting it from their chief health officer. Both those chief health officers seem to complement each other all the time. You know, that I've heard our one saying, "Oh, yeah, she's a, she's she knows what she's doing. She's a, she's an expert." She says the same thing down here. When oh yeah, I think they've got it under control. Surely, with the same virus, the same um, issues that are going on shouldn't the information that's being passed on be the same so at what point is there where is the change where is the um difference coming in because clearly you've just pointed out it's not the same result no well that's the that's the problem it's ideology it's ideological not uh, data driven so there is a point at which Kerry Chance information is getting filtered through the uh, we're not Victoria lens and the uh, we mocked Victoria for locking down lens and the we are the gold standard and cannot possibly lock down and can control us without locking down filters. Um, that, we should, we know, should explain it, to our international listeners. I guess which we do have point, a lot of them. Yes. Uh, you, you are making the point, Linda, that there's often a just slightly less than maybe friendly rivalry between New South Wales <laughs> to the north and Victoria to the south, which which is where we reside. Yes. Um, so the, the, what what Linda is talking about is in context to that rivalry. Um, and and that rivalry was massively intensified by the lockdown in yes, Victoria last year. Very much. Yes. Yeah. And yes. the fact that we have a we have a, a left wing government in Victoria and a right wing government in New South Wales only contributes to that conflict. Yeah. Plus, we don't play the same sports. But anyway, that's another thing. <laughs> so so but, again, uh, we should probably explain, though, 
and, and for those that have not listened to our previous podcast, our system of government, we've got a prime minister at the top. He's the he's the guy that leads the nation federally. Allegedly. And then and then the states each have their own premier. Okay. And what can happen, similar to uh, to what happens in the US, you can have a, a prime minister that's uh, that, that's right wing and you can have a premier that's left wing. So ideologically, they're not going to agree. Especially they're all I, in, I they're all in national wing. cabinet as well, so they I all have to try and get along. I always forget which wing is which wing. In my in my estimation, they're all a bunch of pricks anyway. Right? So, <laughs> True story. So nice. um, so so Mike the Lama, you're across this more. Um, our, our prime minister Scott Morrison, he is what? Right, what he's on the right. Yeah. He's right wing. Yes. So as right, opposed he's on to the correct. right wing. Um, in Victoria, we have a left-wing premier. Yes, so he was in the left of his party as well, yes. Right. So obviously those two are not going to agree ideologically. And New South Wales, which is north, has a right-wing premier. Yes. So, so, you, you don't have a, so you have agreement between the Prime Minister and the New South Wales Premier and no agreement between the New South Wales Premier and the Prime Minister and our Premier in Victoria. And we in Victoria are the ones that have locked down harder Right. So, did you think that that explanation made things clearer for people listening? Did you? Well, you know, if people want to, if people want to listen and not write things down, I can't be held to account. <laughs> no, very good, very good. Now, Doctor Raven, there is something I want to say. You, you're always very keen on critical thinking and reason. That's that's something that's gone through a lot of our podcast. You'd agree with that? I, w- I would agree, but I, even though I may not do it all the time, but I no, would no, agree. that's fine. However, you do lament the on a reasonably regular basis. You do lament the stupidity of people, and you probably want them flushed out into the ocean. Um, so, I do. Yeah, <laughs> I do. Very good. So, how do we encourage people to be critical thinkers? You know, the inclusive, positive approach. Well, I don't think you can. Dr. MacGyver versus the let's flush them out and mass mass shunning. Of Dr. Raven, so so this, let me this is let me let, let me clarify a few points because yes, Linda, Linda set... needs to hear Dr. Raven out before she can kill him in this. this right, is it's good. important to set a baseline for what I how, how I think about these things. Um, right, so so when I say people are stupid, I am not saying they're not intelligent. I I believe in the intelligence of every. I believe people are exceptionally intelligent, but I think people are generally lazy. Intelligence and thinking and research and reading, reading, I mean, reading, reading takes a lot of effort for a lot of people, right? I mean, how many people? Go to any person. This is what really irritates me. Go to any person and ask them who won Wimbledon. They'll know the answer. Go to any person and ask them what the last book they read was, and they will not know the answer. And I find that incredibly offensive. And it's not because that person is not intelligent. It's more because that person has allowed themselves to be lazy. It's much easier to sit in front of your Netflix on your comfortable sofa that you bought from Harvey Norman that you were convinced to buy because you deserve it, right? It's much easier to sit on that sofa and do nothing than it is to pick up a book and read. So don't don't mistake my th- saying that people are stupid with people are, in, are not intelligent. Not the same okay. thing. Okay. The, se- the second thing I would say is... Um, how many how of these you, are there, just out of interest? How, how do you encourage? Yeah, yeah, up yours. How do you encourage? <laughs> how do you encourage people to be critical thinkers? Yes. Look, I think in if some only case, we had an expert on to to try and talk yeah, about this. Yeah, I know. This. If only we had that. I'd love, um, I'd love to hear from her, actually. <laughs> yeah, I, 
look, I, I don't know. I don't know how you encourage that. I think people. I, I think people. Um, well, this again, is this just... is the difference. This is why I wanted Linda to come on because yeah, I know well, you're I, critical. I, I no, hold on. I know you're critical. On. No, I'm speaking. Hang on. Oh, a lot God. of people don't want to be. A lot of people don't want to think. Right. A lot of people, firstly, don't want to think. And a lot of people don't necessarily know what critical thinking is. They don't understand what it is that it is that it is to think critically. Right. So I'll leave it there. I'll leave it there. Now I'm going to let I'm going to let other people jump in. Yes. So I'm going to start with 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 your first point there that people are lazy. I have a lot of sympathy for people being lazy. I am lazy myself because life is life is hard. Life is complicated. Life is stressful. It's exhausting. I don't want to do more work than I have to do. Like I I think people Hooray. need to be to be lazy in a you know in a in a form of self-defense you need to be able to get home and switch off which is one of the reasons why our scientists need to need to tell better stories and our policymakers need to tell better stories in that we need to communicate the data and the information in a way that isn't difficult to find for example when i went to look at the new south wales restrictions it was really difficult to navigate and to understand and it should not have been it should uh, it's very very difficult to present that information clearly to mm. to be fair uh but they did a really bad job um right so, and it's difficult i would suggest to you and again no conspiracy theory but i would suggest to you that it's difficult to navigate on purpose right <laughs> I, I i'm not sure that's true i i think it is just okay. you know never attribute to malice what can adequately be explained by incompetence or in this case just it's a very very difficult thing to do and, and i think they, they tried do you say that phrase in your book because i'm going to use that <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's an old old phrase i don't think it's in my book but you'll find it anyway you're welcome to it um i so i, I think we have to take human nature into account we can't just go people should be smarter we have to deal with um people who are overwhelmed and exhausted and not trained to to do research and to to think critically and to evaluate things but that's one of the reasons we need to change the education system so that the training is built in so that people are learning by default to question their own results to question the results of others to think critically to ask of any problem or any data set or any solution, what's wrong with this? Where are the problems? Who doesn't it work for? Who's left out? Who's you know marginalized by this? And when we build those questions in, and when we assume that whenever you get a result, whenever you solve a problem, whenever you do something, that it's not perfect, you assume that it's not perfect, and you have to enumerate the ways in which it's not perfect, you have to actually evaluate it yourself. That's an entirely different approach to what we're currently doing for the most part in education, which is teaching um, problems which have perfect solutions and mm. assuming that a solution is perfect and mm. marking the solution, not the process, not the evaluation, not the thinking, mm. not the ethics, not the actual critical evaluation. Um, so, I mean, I think that's step one to, to lose the toy problems or maybe not all of them, but most of them and actually use real problems. When we, on the rare occasions we use data in in school setting, we use data sets that are perfect. They they are a perfect normal distribution or, you know, an average that you can calculate by eye. So the kids know when they've got the right result and and what they're marked on is getting the right result. Whereas in the projects that I build, they're marked on 
um, on the process and on have they evaluated their solution and have they thought about who it doesn't work for and have they thought about what the problems are in their data set and the ways in which their evaluation might not be accurate and those kinds of questions. Now imagine if we built that into a government setting. So anytime a government implements a program, it evaluates it, it thinks about what might be wrong with this and the ways in which it might not work. And then when it's actually running, it tests it. It goes, who is it working for? Who is it not working for? How do we need to fix it? Because at the moment, that doesn't happen. Doesn't happen in government, doesn't happen in business, doesn't happen in education. And it should be the default. It Just in what you're describing, I'm thinking that pretty much explains the uh, any hesitance or things that people are having with the vaccine at the moment. They, they've been told information about AstraZeneca. They've been mm -hmm. told information about Pfizer. And what they hear about AstraZeneca is it's not perfect. And so they say, mm -hmm. well, I don't, I don't want it. Now, no, I the, want the difference, I guess, yeah, one, and I guess, but... the, <laughs> I guess the difference with this is though, this may not be perfect, uh, but the consequence of it not being perfect, they've heard, is that you might be dead. And so that's a reasonable thing for people to hear and think, well, okay, I, I might, you know, miss out on that one. Yeah. But it's not the whole story. And it's no. Um, and, yeah, and one of the problems on. with that too is that the story changes, which yeah. of course it has to because our understanding changes as the situation changes and the numbers change and and you know we start to start to understand things and start to measure things we couldn't measure before and start to see things we couldn't see before. Yeah. That is science working. But the way we learn science in school is we learn that it's a series of facts and known processes and that if we have, you know, two reagents and we apply this known process, we get this known result and we get marked on whether we get the known result or not. And, and, and that's science. Mm. So what we learn is that science is a static, fixed uh, discipline of facts and right answers. And, and, and that perception of what science is, is, is often seen and presented as a flaw by those that are, for example, religious, where they, where they say, oh, look, look at, you know, yes, we, we you're saying we don't know the answer, but look at science. Science doesn't know the answer either. Mm. But the thing is, science never, ever claimed to know the answer. Science uh, own shouldn't claim to know the answer. I should be more correct to say that. Yes, yes, yes. Um, but look, it's it's a, it's an interesting uh, thing that you present, and I do agree that the way people are educated probably needs to change. Um, can it be achieved? I don't think it can. I'm sorry, but I think I'm sorry, Linda. You're wasting your time. <laughs> Here we go. Well, I've achieved it in my own classroom. And um, much as I would love to say that I am a, a paragon without compare and nobody could possibly do what I do, I think it's perfectly replicable. Um, and I have you know, trained many, many teachers who, who work in very similar ways. And I've met many teachers who are doing this kind of stuff without my input because, you know, it's it's actually not rocket science. It's It does require a fairly significant paradigm and attitude shift. It requires you to think about the way you teach differently. And it, it requires schools to to make room for it and education systems and education departments to make room for it. I'm not saying I'm going to solve it in every school in, in Australia tomorrow. might take me a couple more days than that. <laughs> but, but it's perfectly doable. Like We're currently working with the same education system we've had for literally hundreds of years. We've tweaked it around the edges, but for the most part, things haven't changed. 
we just have to have the will to change them, and that's the, that's and, the and hard think, part of what I do. And I think that's where why why I say it won't work. I think it's because there is no such will, and it comes back to what we said at the start. There is no um, incentive for government to have a more intelligent populace. Right? No nation wants. It, it doesn't matter what this they're telling you. Have to come from the government. This is see. This is where we okay. we. we Think that all the all the impetus for this has to come from the top down. What we've got here is someone in the in the trenches, and that's where the motivation is coming from. Yeah, don't, don't, yeah I agree I, with I you, and don't, and yeah, I agree with you, and don't get me don't get me wrong. I I, I, I celebrate what Lin, what Linda's doing, and um, what people like her are doing. Um, yeah. When I, when I, when I I used to teach at university and when i did that i also tried to introduce the idea that we weren't just making sure that the um that the thing that we built worked we're also making sure to understand how we got there um and what 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 mistakes we made and we celebrated mistakes the idea is you know you don't you don't the, the traditional ways you don't celebrate mistakes but the, but to make mistakes is to learn and, and to and to understand why why it's wrong and where you where you're going to go next um so i i've done that in my own teaching life when i did that a long long time ago um my point is that it's not going to work my point is based on what linda has said is that it requires um it can start at grassroots but in the end it requires um, support from our leaders. Now, unless you get a leader into politics like Different Linda, leaders. right? <laughs> unless you get Linda and someone like her into can... politics, then you're never going to get that support. And, and right, people like Linda are not interested in going into politics for obvious reasons. Change doesn't happen, have to happen from leadership. What I'd like to ask Linda is, I was a teacher myself, but my daughter is just starting a career in science education. Um, what would you like, she's 20, 26, 27, and she's, um, what would you like to say to her? She's beginning a, a science. <laughs> she should buy yes, the book. Buy the book, there we go. <laughs> um, but, no, seriously, I, I, the, the biggest message to her would be um, trust yourself and try things and do real things. You know, one of the things I said in the book at the end is this is not the only thing that will work there. You know, it's not the, not the only way to teach and it's not the only way to teach. Well, um, if you want to try something, you try it, but evaluate it. Mm. Actually, you know, do some kind of systematic review to see what worked and what didn't work and then and keep improving on that and if you're doing that you are so far ahead of the base level of the education system that it's <laughs> astounding to me like I, I couldn't believe when I first started teaching that evaluation of new programs was not standard it was actually quite difficult to persuade people to implement it I was like how is this not you know I, I couldn't that was astounding to me um, so 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 um so, Linda, over the last maybe, I don't know, um, five years, there's often been reports in the news that um, the Australian education system is completely crap compared to the rest of the world. Well, it was something like somewhere between 50th and 70th in the world or something like that for a first oh, world team. country. Um, and, 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 and often you hear a lot about uh, Scandinavian school systems and how Scandinavian education is run. Um, 
looking at what you have written about and what you are thinking, are the Scandinavian school systems more aligned with what you're thinking, with what the way the way you've written? Are they more in alignment? Are there any other countries that are in, in, in alignment as well? So uh, I would say no other countries, but plenty of other teachers. Um, Finland is, it, you know, has a lot of things right in that. It trains its teachers very well and it gives them autonomy. Uh, in Australia, teachers are constrained by a, a huge load of admin and documentation and um, a, a really invasive level of control. Yeah. Whereas if you give teachers freedom, I, I was very, very lucky in that in one of the subjects I was teaching, I had pretty much complete freedom and we had a wonderful time. And that's where all of my understanding really of of teaching STEM developed, um, of actually getting through to kids and of doing real stuff. That's where it started, was where I had the freedom to actually explore and to do the fun stuff and to and to really engage the kids and see what worked. We don't give that freedom to many teachers um, and and we don't equip them to handle it if we do give it to them. Um, so is that, it's, is that because we have a, you know, coming from a, a family of teachers, mm. I just wonder if that's because we have a different level of respect, I guess, for teachers here that I think people have for teachers elsewhere. Mm. Um, and I mm. think that you're expected... Or the assumption is that if the teachers here aren't following a set sort of course or something, then they're doing something less. Mm. Whereas mm. maybe some of these other jurisdictions or countries or whatever you want to say it is, maybe if the teachers have been given, they, they have more respect. And so if they're not following a particular path, maybe they're giving, you know, they're value adding to something that's, you know, it's just, just our own attitudes towards it. You're not wrong. And part of the reason that I had the freedom I had was because I was doing computer science, which scared the pants off most of the people <laughs> in my school. They didn't want to look at it. They were just kind of, can you go do that over there? <laughs> Keep it away from me. I don't want to see it. It's gross. Um, and, and, and that's part of the reason I had the freedom was because I was not doing maths, which they, they would have had very strong opinions on how to teach and, and you know, things like that. Um, but Finland did not start with a highly respected teacher workforce. Yep. Finland took a, a, a situation very similar to ours and went, we are going to make sure that our teachers are highly educated and we're going to pay them well and the yeah. respect yeah. followed, mm -hmm. yep. you know. So this is not a situation where we go, we don't have respect, therefore we have to quit. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, and, and, and I would, yeah, look, I completely agree with that. And again, um, um, there's always been that 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 narrative um, can, can teach can't do. You know, you often hear that right about yeah, yeah. teachers can teach can't do, which I've always thought was a ridiculous, completely stupid narrative. Right? Then there's always the other. There's there's always a lot of other things as well. Um, for example, you often hear, oh well, if I don't get into my chosen course, I could always fall back on teaching. Right? Yeah. I mean, what the hell yeah. is that? What the hell is but, that? You know, I mean, not, if you're not going, if you know, and I've got a child that is taught, right? Mm. So, so yes. for me, uh, that's that's like, um, you know, Mike the Lama. I know you've got an older kid. Um, mm. 
uh, audio Pete, your your empty nesting. Um, Linda, I don't know if you have kids, it, but I I'm, do. I've got I've got you do. Yes, two yeah, two so, high schoolers. Yeah. Right. So 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 for me, oh, I've I've I've, I've got the youngest out of the bunch. I've got the youngest out of the bunch. Right. Mine is eight years old, and Dad is the worst teacher on the planet. Right. <laughs> That is the word, and I'm just saying. I'm just saying, if if you are a teacher and you are not wanting to do that profession, then you should not be being a teacher. That's, that is absolutely that's, true. But if everyone know, who didn't want to teach left today, we'd be screwed. <laughs> I, I, under, I understand. But also, yeah. But the, the other the other corollary to that, you know, is that people think that if you can do it, you can teach it, and that does not work at oh, all. I, couldn't that agree not, with you. That was, that, that, that's a disaster. The people, oh, the best 100%. programmers that I know are the are the worst teachers of programming because 100%. they can't understand why it's difficult. Yeah. They mm. can't understand where people would get stuck. They can't imagine ever being, you know, a beginner because it was so long ago. And, you know, they probably started <laughs> programming when they were two anyway. So they just you know, don't remember it. You know, like it's... It's it's the better you are at doing something, the harder it is to take it. I, I think, think you've just no. I, my I, brother. I completely agree. <laughs> Sorry, I go on. Yes. <laughs> what were you saying yeah, about your brother? No, I said I think you've just described my brother. He's he. I all through school, he knew his stuff. He got top marks, but he, there's no possible way he could teach me or explain to me how to do it because he wasn't able to talk to my level. He could only talk at the level he was at. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I and I am often I'm often like that. I'm accused of that almost in this a, podcast I'm, often. Yeah. Often, <laughs> yes, I, I'm I'm accused of that on a daily basis. I'm in mean, the job that I do. Um, yeah, I'm I'm quite prepared to accuse you of other things as well. Anyway, what I want to also ask: teaching children is one thing. Mm-hmm. What about teaching adults? So we've got so we've we've covered things in previous podcasts. We did a conspiracy theory podcast, which may seem like it's not really relevant, but <laughs> within that, we talked about how difficult it was to change people's minds. Now, Pete even yeah. gave a, a, a um, story about explaining some physics to one of his friends. What was it? He was dropping a rock into a hole or something, and you were trying to explain yeah. the the velocity and all that sort of yeah. business. Plus half at squared, the the um acceleration due to gravity formula. Yeah, and he yeah. chose his belief on what was going to happen above the scientific explanation. Yeah, we do that all the time. It's a very Ch- human thing to do. Children, as I say, are one thing. We can help shape them and and change the way they think about things. But how are we going to change a whole nation of adults who well, aren't that's the interesting so thing. easy? We know that data does not change minds. Uh, we know that data, in fact, tends to entrench people <laughs> in the other direction, mm. uh, entrench opinions that you know conflict with the data, and and the, this whole thing of cognitive dissonance where you throw away the information that doesn't fit with what you think you know, and you you kind of grasp the information that does fit with what you think you know, which is how you know radicalization happens so easily. Mm. Mm. Um, but what we do know is that stories are very, very powerful. It's one of the places where uh, Terry Pratchett gets it right. His a lot of his uh, a lot of his books are uh, put a lot of emphasis on. You know, the characters talk about how stories are really important. You have to tell people a story that they can understand, mm. and. That's one of the reasons why we're not just why I'm not just teaching data science. I'm I'm teaching how to how to communicate that data, how to tell the story of that data. Because just giving people a graph will not persuade them of anything, but no. giving them a story 
is is very persuasive. So, right, so what might be what might be a story that we could tell that would change the mind of a flat earther, say? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's way out of my level. Of yeah, psychology, I was going to say we're, we're, that's that's pretty uh, yeah, that's a bit full on that one. <laughs> but you're saying you're you're saying that it could be done. You're saying that there would be yeah. a story out there that could be composed. Well, would... it it was the stories that got them into flat earthing in the first place. So it, yeah. I believe that stories can get them out. Now, maybe not everybody, um, but but one of the things we do know about flat earthers is that part of the reason they're flat earthers, many of them, is for the sense of community, the sense of belonging, mm. the sense that I believe something that other people don't get, and here I am in this community of people who believe it, and that's a very powerful thing. And we have, we have uh, neglected and lost community to a very large degree uh, over the last few decades. Um, when when, when you have... say we, when you say we, are you talking about the intelligentsia? As, no, as... I'm talking about all of us as a society. I'm saying that <coughs> the, the community is is a very neglected thing now. We don't have many of us don't have church communities we belong to. Uh, you know, work tends to be <laughs> FIFO in some sense. You fly in, you fly out, and, and even more so now that we're working remotely, most of us. Uh, we don't have local shops even. You know, we go to these large shopping centres where we'll never see the same checkout person twice. Mm. Uh, community is is something that our current way of life has marginalized and that it, that is having catastrophic consequences and one of the consequences is that conspiracy theories take off because people feel a sense of belonging and and that's that's really valuable and powerful yeah uh, yeah that's that that is interesting but i mean are you are you saying then that in better educated countries that there is a greater sense of community, or are they just simply no. better educated? Well, I'm not 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 relating state of education to community at all, but it is it's one of the one of the issues that that leads to these problems. I mean, we know that vaccinated anti-vaxxers are often very well educated. It's not a correlation between intelligence mm. or level of education and um and vaccination sort of attitudes it, I, I wish it was <laughs> mm. but but that's also one of the reasons why we need to sort of change the way people understand and evaluate information no but 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 the, the fact that there the fact that there may be anti-vaxxers that are also very well educated mm. doesn't negate the fact that that a more educated community is likely to believe evidence-based propositions as opposed to non-evidence-based propositions. Um, right? I don't think more educated is the is the term you're looking for. I think that um, differently educated. I don't think the education educated. system is currently helping us with that problem, which is one of the reasons I do what I do, right? But that the current education system is not getting us where we need to be. I I, I used to know a guy who you know has a master's in computer science and uh, actually several of them and um, believe that uh, climate change isn't a thing. Mm-hmm. So they're they're well educated, <laughs> but but they they think climate change isn't a thing. That you know that the the, uh, the level of education is insufficient. It's the quality of the education, and that's where we have a real problem. And that's why I do what I do. Mm, I think we did say in one okay. of our other podcasts. In fact, Dr. Raven, you said it where people can be you know 
experts in one thing but completely ignorant in something else. Oh, absolutely. So I'm, it I'm ignorant in a ton of things. Because they compartmentalise their, their understandings. That's why you can have, you know, physicists who are highly religious as well and, mm. and can both believe in a 6,000-year-old Earth and evolution at the same time. Or, yeah. It's, I was, I was but, always... But, but again, what, what I'm trying to get at is, you, of course, you can have people that are extremely well-educated and have got not only great levels, but also great quality of education, and they can believe in very nutty things. There's many, many examples of that. And they could be doing that for various reasons. It could be because they're a sense of community. It could be because it's comfortable for them. They're just lazy in that particular style of thinking. It could be a whole bunch of things. But in general, in a general sense, uh, um, you know, people who are a more educated community will believe less things that are not based in evidence. And that's been shown, you know, more, more, more educated countries tend to have lower um, subscriptions to religion than less than less educated countries, you know the pro, the premier example being, um, you know the the there's more religion in the U.S. than there is in Scandinavian countries. And I think the U.S. is a bit different than that. I think it's usually lower. Yeah, it's lower education. Well, well the U, the U.S. is different in that their religious belief is linked to their. Um, unfailing nationalism, right? It's different from that perspective. But, but, but what I'm trying to say is, if you look at if you look how religion and education have evolved, more educated countries tend to have less religious belief. Mm. Okay, that that's just a trend. There's, you you also need to argue. appreciate. We're very keen on bagging America. You need to also appreciate that each state that sort of evolved or, or appeared when America. Uh, was created as in a current sense, I guess, was based on the slightly different religion of each of those groups. And so that's why religion is fundamental to a lot of these states, a lot of these people, particularly out on the in the east coast. Uh, so you can't get away from that. That's that's their identity. That's part of their identity. Look, um, at the end of the day, I don't think – I said it before, and I hate to say it, and I don't think it's a battle that can be won. And my The reasoning I have is because it's connected strongly. It's connected it's, – it's, it's what I say almost every freaking podcast. There is an, there, there is, there's an element out there, big business, whose sole task it is to separate people from their money. That's it. All right. right. Before, they, before you get far on that, I, I think that well, it might be a war that can't be fully won, but I think battles can be won. I think the doctor's proof of that. She's winning, winning battles right now. Um, yeah, I think, and it's a, I think there are certain battles you can win, but you almost have to change the entire paradigm of the country. You well, cannot... we do have to do that, but that's yeah. you know that's that's going to take me another couple of weeks. Well, that's that's, <laughs> that's why we have her on, so we can help. We're contributing the, the, look, to that. Look, the you got to start uh, somewhere, right? You do, you do, and and I'm not, and uh, yeah, you do, and I'm certainly not going to say that you should give up. And in fact, if I were to say it, you'd probably dig in a little bit deeper, right? So, um, so. Who he agrees, but say? he always has a white flag in his back pocket. No, 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 no. but way. I'm just saying, I'm, no, 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 no white flag. I say exactly what I think, and I don't give a crap about anything else. I say exactly what I think, right? That's I, why I can't I'm, believe that. Right, that's why I'm here. But I'm just saying, I, I, it's, I'm not saying that it's a battle that can be won so people should do nothing about it. I'm simply saying that it's it, it requires such a paradigm shift. The minute, the minute you know, 
again, I, I, it comes back to the leadership, and leaders have no interest in smart people. If you have smart people, they're harder to control. The harder, so, hang on. Smart people are harder to control. Smart people are going to, um, you know, smart people don't want to update their car every year. Smart people don't want to go to Harvey Norman and buy the latest sofa every year, right? Is there smart, a latest sofa smart every people, year? Smart people will not accept a, a percentage increase in Netflix if they have Netflix at all, right? Smart people don't want to do that sort of stuff. Smart people have got other concerns in their brain. They're concerned about living their life through rationality and intelligence, even though they may not doing that may they may not do that knowingly. And that's not good for government. That's not good for, for I, I think I think you're wrong to say leaders don't like that. I think leaders do like that. I don't think okay. we have leaders right now. I, okay. I think I think if we had actual leaders, <laughs> I did see a comment on Twitter that today um somebody posted uh somebody Next time we have a press or a journal, should ask Morrison whether he has any leadership aspirations. <laughs> nice. <laughs> quite nice. We don't have leaders. We don't have leaders, and we often don't have leaders in business and education as well. Right. So, so maybe if we had maybe, actual leaders, yeah. then then they would be interested in a smart and educated and frankly difficult populace. So, you know, this is why the, the, the title raising heretics made so much sense to me. I didn't come up with that. That was a friend of mine. Um, but it makes so much sense because you do, you have to ask the difficult questions. You have to be heretical. You have to be challenging and actual leaders value that. Whereas uh, people who aren't leaders, but happen to be in positions where we need leaders, tend to surround themselves with people who tell them what they want to hear. Yeah, so maybe that's what I'm saying, really. What, what, it's, not, it's not that I'm saying that we, we – um, it's not that I comment on leadership itself, but more to say that we don't have the right style of leader to, to get us out of the quagmire. And I don't think – I don't know if we ever will. Um, it, it just requires such a shift. I mean, the minute, the minute that you have people – again – Again, I want to go back to our previous, a couple of our previous previous podcasts. Yes. The minute that you have people who are more interested in whether we win fourteen gold medals than than they are on whether or not you know we solve cancer, right? The minute you have people that are interested in that, you've lost, right? And and again, one is easier to sell and make money off than the other. And before you go what on we a need, rant. what we need on this podcast, we need someone from big business. Yes. Well, good luck finding one. Audio, Pete, you were going to say something before I was going to rudely interrupted yourself. Before we forget, I've been just what during this conversation trying to find where to buy your book. Oh. <laughs> what an excellent question. Uh, um, I and, I will uh, I'll send Michael a link, but it's uh, bit.ly forward slash raising heretics with a capital R and a capital H. Can you say that again? Bit. Bit.ly. Bit yeah. Forward slash raising heretics. Capital R, capital H. It will it'll be in all the online bookstores after August the first. What do they say? All good bookstores and even some of the crap ones. So there you go. <laughs> All right, guys, we could talk about this forever, but I think we're just about at time. So I'd like to thank Linda for coming along and uh, educating yeah. us. How's that? Yeah, well, thanks no, for the chat. It was uh, awesome. Yeah, no, it's um, what an awesome topic. It's uh, it's, I, I think it's something that requires a lot more exploration on 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 our podcast, though, uh, Mike Delama. Oh, of course, and, you know, forty five um, minutes doesn't cover a lot these days. See, <laughs> in, in 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 
in actual fact, every episode of our podcast is really comes down to people thinking with a very rational mind. Really, you know, that's the whole point. Prick that bubble and think a little bit more rationally. Turn off the AFL. Don't worry about how many gold we're winning, right? You know, the gold that someone wins ain't going to pay your mortgage. That's the message that I would say to people, right? But the book that we buy will help pay Linda's mortgage. So, <laughs> so let's let's do that. I'll put yeah, but, the link. But, 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 I'll definitely put the link. More importantly, the book that you buy, the book that you buy may change your mindset to bloody well help you pay your own freaking mortgage. Correct. You know? And raise, what do you, Pete? You found you know, it, have you? Yeah, raise, I'm looking raise better kids. And, my daughter. Excellent. I'll read it. <laughs> well, and, you'll uh, be very pleased to know that um, uh, Linda and your daughter went to the same university. So there you go. Very good. All right. So last word. Last word. I think should go to Linda. Yes. I, anything in in conclusion that you'd like to, uh, you know, dazzle us with? I guess. That's yeah, it. I know. Not not putting any pressure on you or anything. That's a huge question. Like, all right, well, hold on. How, you know, how about summarize I, it all. I can rephrase it. Here's, this is a question I didn't get to, but I'll, I'll have it as my conclusion that you can answer. One of the things that I struggle with, with the good Dr. Raven here, is his passion for science and critical thinking, but his non-equal level of passion for anyone else. And so part of it seems smirking that so isn't science and research generally about improving the life and for society and everyone as opposed to dr raven who doesn't really like anyone so my question <laughs> in conclusion in conclusion for you is what's a good way to get people interested in science just in general so i think that one of the reasons um when i used to teach tech uh, the way other people were telling me to teach it. I, I didn't have a lot of control over the year 10 subject initially, and we we taught toys. You know, we did we made robots follow lines and push each other out of circles, and we drew pretty pictures, and the kids couldn't see the point. And I think a lot of our STEM education has that problem. A lot of our science education, the kids can't see the relevance. But as soon as you start teaching them using real problems and you start teaching them that science is a tool that you can use for understanding and changing the world then they can see the relevance and then they can see why they would bother to learn it and why it matters. And that's a complete change, a complete attitude change. And that's why I think this work is so important because we need to teach people that this is something they can use uh, to make change and also to, to evaluate the change they've made. There you go. See? Very nice. It's that simple. All right. <laughs> Thank you again, everyone. Thank you, Dr. Raven. Thank you, Audio Pete. And thank you to thank Dr. You. Linda MacGyver. Yes, thank you, Linda. Wonderful, wonderful to have you on and what a wonderful conversation. All right. Well, we'll see you all in the next podcast. Awesome. Bye-bye. <laughs>